Another edition of Michael L. Craver Presents. It is a peaceful, a quiet December the 13th. I am on vacation, away from my career position. But uh, I've had a nice little break uh, from the last episode. Of course, Thanksgiving in the middle. A lot of other important things that happened to work. But specifically, uh, the Thanksgiving was interesting, so I hope everybody else had a, a safe and an interesting holiday. A few family health issues have popped up here and there, but I, it, rather unique. So my children had a few high temperatures, so they didn't attend Thanksgiving. My grandmother is 85, my grandfather is 90, so they um, did not get to enjoy the company of of my children uh, for Thanksgiving, they stayed home. Keep everybody uh, in, you know, best chance for being in long-term good health. Nobody wants to run around and, and get an infection, especially in a large group of people, uh, virus, illness of any kind. So, uh, on that note, my brother uh, had some similar high temperatures in his household, which meant that me and my mother were the only people who came to my grandmother's thanksgiving uh from my branch of the family tree from my mom's branch so rather unique the first time uh, my kids have not come first time my brother has not come and i i sat around i listened to a lot of stories i washed a lot of dishes i basically helped helped run the dispatch service when the meal was over because a lot of food and it needed to be put on plates and uh distributed to new destinations my grandmother was not going to be consuming all of that so some wonderful stuff i mean some homemade pumpkin cheesecake and all the the family favorites so i quite enjoyed the stories and the company um but what really made my thanksgiving and i hope this is the experience that all of you have listening to me i Went to my father's family for Thanksgiving. Only me and dad. And um, a lot of handshaking, a lot of, hey, you're a supervisor, what are you doing? You know, know, shaking hands, kissing babies like a politician. But everybody treats you, even though we hadn't seen a lot of us each other in several years. Um, Some of us for the first time since COVID. I think it's, you know, the first time we've done Thanksgiving since. So, um a lot of how you been, but mostly it feels like they talked to you yesterday. Like there's not a gap in time. You can see some gray hair and wrinkles and things, but a lot of kids are bigger and people are in college or they've gone off to start a career. But 
the experience I had that really made my night was sitting around a table where um, one of my cousin's in-laws is next to me. But the rest of the table is made up of my father and his brothers. And they <laughs> they have the most <laughs> unique... I have it, so I know what it is, but I don't get to see it in action much, and and I just I just love it. My uncle uh, stopped by my my work actually recently, and me and him we just cut up, and and then he went on his way, and it's you know I'll see you soon. But to watch the brothers debate and, and go back and forth about some different things with um, the change in the price of an education alone and how much everything is different than, you know, the 1960s and 70s in college. Um, all of them have a a degree, a multiple degrees, and in that group of people, there's people who uh, inspect city infrastructure, there's FAA, um, air traffic controller, there's a, you know, a pretty seasoned um, construction business underneath my uncle who's, you know, he decided after he stop building houses to work for Habitat for Humanity and, and do that. And he's been on, and, and all those guys have been on mission trips to Costa Rica and Jamaica and Panama and Cuba and I, I believe to Africa and, and some other places that I'm probably not keeping up with their uh, mileage. But they just, the humor between them is just so smooth. It's <laughs> The timing is just you know, all those guys played an instrument or did something. Uh, my father, a pianist, uh, and, and I don't know, just, I love it. I love it. And I've seen more of it in a one-on-one setting over the last several weeks. I was blowing the yard off with my dad, get the rakes out and then the leaf blower. And, oh, I forgot this story. <laughs> it was on LinkedIn. Um, so <laughs> I asked my dad what he's doing through text messages and he says, well, I'm, I'm going to be cleaning up the yard. I said, well, I'll be right over. So I, um, I head over and he's got a, a tarp. He's, he's, I don't know. He's probably got three and a half acres in front of his house. And um, it goes down to a road, so you can't just, you know, blow the leaves or rake the leaves out. The you, that's irresponsible. You collect the leaves, you got to throw them in the woods. So he's got a rake and a tarp out, and he's going to town on this. He's just, you know, doing his thing when I arrive. So I um, run up to the shop, and I get another couple of rakes. And uh, whatever, I got something else. I got a shovel out because we were going to do the acorns. Um, when you rake, um, you've got a lot of trees, and the acorns were just embedded down in the yard. So <laughs> we are raking onto this. Uh, get me a cigar lit. We're raking onto this tarp. All the things that are in the um, drain pipe down at the road that are in the ditches, stuff you know, it's going to you have to we're going to drag it back to the woods. Now later on. We're going to use 
the blower. So we're not going to do that right here because we're trying to, uh, I guess you would say we're trying to corral the loose leaves, but we got to expose the acorns. They have to be shoveled and then uh, thrown into the wood. I basically put them in a shovel and threw them like a trebuchet. If you ever seen, or a catapult for is what most people would think of it with a trebuchet. A trebuchet's got a counterweight where a catapult does not. But uh, just went to town on these leaves. We reach a point where we're going to use the uh, the blower. So um, here we are. The only one blower. It's two guys. So what what are we going to do? We're going to take time to blow, and I will be on acorn duty. Because it blows all the, the leaves into the woods, and you got to shovel up the acorns. Well, this is a pretty powerful blower. Now, Steel, S-T-I-H-L, makes these great backpack blowers. We used to use Robin when we were younger, was the name brand of the, uh, the one my father had. Um, and I mean, dad is just, you know, I, and I'll tell you the other side of this story too, but he's going to town. He's, you know, and there's probably an acre and a half of leaves. Now the thing with leaves is they build up into a pile and it makes them harder to blow when they get into a pile. So what you do, if you got a second guy, is you go in there and you, you rake a, a, an alley out between or a divide out between the leaves. And this channel, it leaves it kind of a like when you slice meat before you put it in the oven. It leaves a way for the leaves to sort of spread around, and then you're not moving the heavy pile. The pile will uh, fall apart and then keep moving in a really smooth fashion. You cut these these little divides in the leaves. So I'm up there, and I'm <laughs> I'm just going to town on these leaves. And I have, I've got this rake that I'm, I'm rearing back, and I'm swinging forward. I'm, I've been watching Rangers games, man. I'm hitting slap shots with these leaves. Dad uh, is behind me, and I'm, I don't know, there's leaves up to my, probably my knees when this happens. I took the time to get set up. Crack! The fucking rake broke right in half. The end of it just went down. It didn't go flying. It just went down. It caught the leaves. The top kept moving. The bottom stopped and broke. And I turn around and look, and my father's just got this look like he just pulls his bottom lip under his top lip. And it's loud. The leaf blower's going, and he's got earmuffs on. And he's not speaking to me. He's just speaking to himself. And I can see him mouth the words. I say words. He says, stupid. <laughs> I was, I, I was, and I was just like, I'm disappointed in my dad at this point. He's like, stupid. Now, we had two, two rakes because he, you know, put his down to get the blower. So I go and I start raking some other stuff, kind of slowly, less powerful. I'm not trying to break the rake. 
I'm getting up the acorns, putting them in a shovel, throwing them in the woods. I'm clearing a lot of land in front of him, and he says I'm making it so easy to blow the yard. Well, that was before I broke the rake. He didn't really say anything after that. So four or five minutes go by, and he reaches a point where he lets off the throttle, and it's like, you know, it's doing the thing where the motor's going, but there's just a in-between for blowing leaves. So I walk over to where he can hear me over his earmuffs, and I say really loudly, I got to stop watching so much hockey. And he starts busting out laughing about, you know, I, I hit it like a slap shot. And if you can tell, if you can twist a bad situation with humor in my family, you are just automatically forgiven. That's how it works. If something really, you know, you did something stupid, but now you said something really funny, clever, whatever, to, to you know, all is forgiven. And it was just so funny to watch that. My father, you know, we kept blowing and knocking stuff out, and he told me how I was uh, helping him, you know, in such a good way. And we, we went across, you know, probably three acres worth of land. Um, then went up to the shop and we were working on this hope chest. I don't know if I mentioned this in earlier episodes. I'm pretty sure I did, but I was kind of stupid last year. I have, um, or this year I was given a bonsai tree, uh, a succulent. Um, I went and bought an evergreen that I split into three different plants and I was watering those on top of this, uh, chest that my father made. Made it for my mother years ago, but when they got divorced, she didn't hold on to it. She gave it to me. I watered plants on top of it that were sitting on top of a towel, which I thought was a moisture barrier. Towels, to all of you listening out there, whatever service you're listening on, Spotify or Amazon, iTunes, Stitcher, whatever. Don't matter where you're listening. Let me, let me tell you, if you're on Pandora which is a newer service. Towels are not moisture barriers. They capture and absorb the liquid, and then they will use the liquid to draw the stain and the finish out of your fucking furniture. Coke with coffee. We blended Coke with rich coffee for one very good reason. Your afternoon pick-me-up routine needed it. Simple as that. Coke with coffee. So when I went to wash the towel that was on top of the chest, it just, it peeled. I'm all, it peeled. I'll never forget that sound. It just discolored the top of that chest. When the towel left, so did the varnish, the Minwax, and the polyurethane that was on that chest because it had moisture on there for so long. It just... Uh, it broke down the barrier, the polyurethane that finishes the chest. And my my dad went over this with me a couple of, uh, probably months ago, uh, but um, I went to a local place and they matched up some stain for me, some cherry minwax. And um, I didn't know that at the time. I'm sorry, I'm telling this out of order, but we went from blowing leaves into the shop to talk about the chest. He told me, 
you know, we'll try some stuff. So we tried a bunch of paint cans, a bunch of stain. Let me tell you something, folks. He had stain that looked like it survived the Civil War. I mean, these paint cans had rust and stuff all over them. It looked like when I watched American Pickers and they find these old oil cans in the barn, except he still had stain in these things. So, um, so anyway, um, none of the stuff matched. And the following day, I took the the lid of the chest, which was we removed uh, to a local place, and they were able to. They painted the back of the lid with some samples we had used, and I talked about this. I did talk about it. We talked about doing acid with my dad. The oxalic acid had stripped away all of the color, and uh, the back of the lid was ready for a you know a new coat. Um, but the lady at the store uh, tried several different ones and then wrote in pencil which one was which. So I took them and just made a decision right there on the spot. We're going to buy this cherry. And took that over to my father's house along with the lid. Um, he wasn't there the next day. I, I think he'd gone to see the my stepsisters got a new child. I think they'd gone to see the baby or visit or something. But um, I put that in his shop. And then uh, a couple of days later, he was like, you know, I think your chest is ready. I was like, wait, what? And by the way, my dad doesn't sound like any of my impressions of him. He's, he's got a great voice, but I give him these character voices. He says, it, you know, your chest is ready, and I put some polyurethane on it and whatever. I said, oh, okay. Yeah. He told me how he was doing some work outside, and he said, you know what? I think I'm going to put another coat on it. I said, I said wait, what? So he has a wood stove. He's got this this shop, and he burns wood. I mean, it's it's not heated with any other fashion. He goes out there and he he stocks it full, gets the fire going. He tells me how he gets it up to like eighty degrees inside, and then he'll stain in polyurethane uh, the furniture because that helps it seal better. And so he did a second coat. Told me it was ready. I went back a couple of days later and picked it up. And I'm boys and girls. It was one thing that I stripped some of the color, the stain off of it. It was another that that thing is a hope chest or it's a, a floor. It's like a chest with a lid that opens up in the front where I had beat the legs of that thing up severely with an office chair. And he repaired that with some old um, carpenter tricks. I was I'm very blown away by it. It's sitting in my living room now. I love it. He came back over a couple of days later. He said, how's your chest? And I said, feels good. And I was rubbing my chest. <laughs> my actual chest. He said, mm. and uh, we I had not put the screws back in and attached the lid to it yet. So he said, oh, we're going, I guess we're going to need a little screwdriver. So he starts to go out to his car because he's carrying tools like I'm carrying tools all the time. I said, hold on. I, and he's already out the door before I can stop him. Now, my, I've got two uh, drill and screwdriver and carpenter bags in my kitchen that I use whenever I'm helping anybody out. So I go grab one as quickly as he can come back in with one. And now we're, we got three hinges. We start on the left and the right. He's on the right and I'm on the left. And we start moving towards the center together. 
very cool kind of moment uh, for somebody to do, you know, with their dad and stuff like that. So I, I really enjoyed just the time of, you know, like being able to have these family memories and, uh, yeah, sure, I could be, you know, rebuilding or working on a relationship or something with a lady, but, like, I don't know, it's just a very interesting time in my life. I mean, professionally, the team that I have around me is, I, those guys are beyond I think the justice that I could do on on a show, and I'm, I'm not going to talk about them anyway because I won't talk about my other job. But they, uh, as individuals, great, great family men, and um, sense of humor is <laughs> is. <laughs> I don't know if some of that was there before I got there, but I got to tell you, what influence. Um, well, I'm told I have a good influence. Whatever influence I'm I'm making, I I hope is a good long-term impression. I always like to think that um if you're going to go somewhere and you're going to make uh, an impression, you're going to make changes, they need to be sustainable changes, not like things that I can do and then when somebody else comes after me, it's impossible to keep that up. That would be uh, a a disservice to the anybody who's Stepping in behind you. You don't want to make it impossible to follow. Competitively, sport-wise, otherwise, it sounds like that, right? You're going to be the greatest there ever was. Well, you don't want to do that in business because then everybody that you uh, move away from is uh, readjusting is a good word. I mean, they're going to have to make a lot of changes to – settle for less. I mean, I don't I don't know a really quick way of saying if they can't sustain what you did, then the standards either have to be lowered, a lot of recalculation has to be done, maybe extra people. Maybe they just change the projections, which in turn means lowering the standards, you know. Well, we can't do that. Michael's not here anymore. So, you know, this is the new this is the new grading scale. It's going to go from 93 to 100 is an A. No, 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 no. We got the 10-point grading scale now. 10 points is an A. 90 to 100 is an A. You don't want some guy who's um, getting 67 on his test to be... Um, even driving a car. Like, you can't get a driver's license like that. But the educational system is like that a lot now, so... I try to uh, build a very just straightforward routines um, in my life, in my professional life, where when I come home, not to the point of OCD, but things have a place. When I take something out of my pockets, I put it in a set place so it's there when I come back. Pretty simple. Same thing you do with your silverware drawer. So. Anybody who's looking around and going, oh, yeah, whatever, man. No, your kitchen is rearranged that way. Right, every day, right? It's not the same. Stove's not in the same place. Well, of course. You can put your dishes in the sink. Mm-hmm. Glasses go in the same cabinet all the time. Nah, I mix them up. Pantry, refrigerator. Sometimes they're with the cereal boxes. No, they're not. 
I just take that organization and place it into every section of my home. I map it out, as they would say, uh, if you were doing retail. And uh, I make sure everything is in its home. It's in its uh, agreed-upon location. Of course, I, of course, make up all the the mapping standards. But I, I hope that you out there are doing that kind of stuff with your life, that you do it with a calendar. Hey, ooh, my, that's right, my car registration is due every July. I mean, it tells you on the sticker, on your license plate. That's when it's coming up. Plan a day, an hour, somewhere there, within that 60 days, the 30 days in front, the you know, behind... And, and go get an inspection. The mouth-watering Big Mac with a savory filio fish and a tasty McChicken. My goodness, that looks good. Oh, oh, you're making a McDonald's menu hat. Yes, a land, air, and sea. Oh, it's going to tip over. No, it's good. It's good. Very stable. Order the land, air, and sea by name, build it by hand, and hack the McDonald's menu. I'm surprised at how attracted I am to it. If you tell me that your car sticker is overdue, all I'm thinking to myself is, wow, you have not only no sense of time, but they send it to you in the mail, etc., etc. Like, you have no sense of awareness. That's all I can think of. So... Which leads me into this interesting transition I wanted to make. I've been watching these videos. Um, I, I I'm guessing here because I haven't done like a deep dive. This guy named Dwayne. He he always says Dwayne here, Dry Creek Wrangler School. And he's his channel on YouTube is Dry Creek Wrangler School, and he is some sort of. Um, Cowboy is the best way I can say it to you. He runs a, basically a Wrangler school where you learn to rope and clear brush and do all the things that it takes to run a ranch, which is great uh, for a lot of people. They're, yeah, That lifestyle is not as flourishing as it used to be. And as I understand from his channel, he goes different places. He guest speaks. He spends time traveling. Uh, that's great. Um, it looks, and in, in the way he talks is just so peaceful sitting around in nature with a scar you know just well very much like I am but I was doing it first <laughs> so I heard this uh, video that he had he started off talking about um, a little bit of religion and he's he does a lot of disclaimers oh I don't mean nothing about this and which is fine this that's not how I am right I don't care and he, he mentions how, he says, now hear me out. God is made in the image of man. And all I could think of was, you know, that's very much what we did with all of our uh, morals and um, social contracts with each other when they had the Council of Nicaea. Years and years ago, the Emperor Constantine put together the Council of Nicaea. That's how we got the Bible. People brought in stories of various things, and they, well, edited many of them down and put them together into this central timeline that is the Bible. Now, there's a lot of things that didn't make it into the Bible, and there's a lot of things that did make it into the Bible. But it's just a community's 
group of ideas. It's the same thing that goes on at your HOA meeting or community gathering, your city hall where the county commissioners get together. It's a social contract. These are the behaviors that we would like to have everybody imitate. And if you don't imitate them, they call it a sin, but other people call it a a citation or a crime or rude. It's not good etiquette. It's not manners. There's a lot of variations to this, and that's all it is. When Dwayne said that we make God in our image, that's all I could think of is God is, is supposed to be the way we think of perhaps the president or a Supreme Court justice, someone of that nature. It's someone who doesn't break the law, who exhibits the community's most prominent behaviors, the things that we would like for someone to lead by example. And Jesus is, you know, the central character in all of the biblical stories as the person who leads by example, and he's the gateway to this and that and the other. And you see that mirrored in a ton of other places. And I've talked about this extensively on this podcast, but there's several dozen people who are exactly like Jesus. They're from other cultures and walks of life. They predate the Bible and the stories that the Council of Nicaea put together by hundreds and hundreds of years. So, is Jesus Horus, H-O-R-U-S? Yeah, you can Google all this stuff. I mean, Christians have many of the same beliefs that uh, go on in the Muslim world. It's all the story of Abraham when you start boiling it all down. Anyway, Dwayne's comment saying that we make God in the image of man just reminded me of that. It was, you know, that we all have this ideal, uh, I don't know that you would say mascot, but this kind of perfect self where if you have a vision board or something like that, you would say, oh, okay, in my perfect world, Michael would dress like this. He would talk like that. He would treat people like this and that kind of thing. So it's one of those interesting comments that I just found to be layered in so many other places that I can say, oh, yeah, they make God in the image of whatever, whatever. Well, that's true. But many people look at, you know, Buddha is the, the god of Buddhism, or he's the mascot for Buddhism, etc. And it's more or less someone who exemplifies all of the traits that you're trying to put together. All the behaviors come into one, and that is, the, I mean, that's the mascot. That's the representative. That's the god. The idea of like God being the perfect recipe of not doing this, not doing that, doing this, doing that. So you have someone like Queen Elizabeth who would be like, a, she's like a god. Well, she is God over there. And I don't just mean, in a, or just, I am not saying specifically like religiously. She exemplifies British culture the way people would want it to be godlike roman reigns wwe he says i'm in god mode well yeah when he's winning and he's perfect i guess he is a wrestling god right because he's doing it perfectly 
God is like another word for perfect. Think about that. And that's all I could sort of pass through my mind is Dwayne is going into these other examples of Proverbs and all these other things, and people could do this and they could do that, and we made God in our image. Well, wait a minute. A lot of things are reverse engineered, and they say, well, God made man in his image, or the man made God in his image. There's both sides of that. I've heard that in my lifetime. And I look at it and I say, nah. It's all one thing. This is our representative. He is the man the costume, the state of affairs. So you have Superman. Oh, yeah, he's just the best, right? Because he can fly. And he's got laser eyes. And he's so fast. And he's so strong. Right? He is what guys would want to be, right? So you have the Incredible Hulk because he's like this and he solves problems, but then he's flawed in other ways. And that's where all these characters come from. That's where the Roman mythological characters come from. This idea that someone in their head says, you know, what might be possible. Yeah, it might be possible to not steal and not commit adultery and not kill somebody. Of course it is. Do people have those urges? Well, yeah, people make you mad. People piss you off. So in a lot of ways, God is a representation of the resistance to temptation. Oh, you know, you want to do these things. Well, a lot of people look at that and they just say, you're just human. You're not savage for taking out justice on somebody else. Somebody shoots at you, you shoot them back. Bam! There went that active shooter. He won't kill nobody again. Well, why didn't you turn the other cheek? Uh, oh, yeah. Because it's self-defense. We evolve as time goes on. There's been no update to the Bible in 1,700 years. Why? Because they're just, they can't agree on it now. and it's Too many hands in the pot. It's, it's a very complicated world that we live in. And I like the idea that somebody represents, you know, the best of what we could be. A lot of people look at these celebrities and they go, oh, that's what beauty is. Oh, the rock. He's what personality is. Trump, he's the... <laughs> right? So some people are going to love him and some people are going to hate him. And that's just how it's going to be. We all think and we worship different things now. So this idea that somebody is going to be you know, the um, second coming of Jesus or whatever, whatever. It's far more complicated now. Um, it's it's not in the same realm anymore. And you have a lot of people who are going to try to drag you down. They're going to say silly things to you. They're going to try to um, be skeptics or just undermine or just be troublemakers. A lot of times they're just troublemakers. I read this quote from um, his book that's behind my desk, I use it for email quotations and things like that. It's Reader's Digest. Quotable quotes. You get it on uh, eBay for like three fifty eight. Buy your books off of eBay 
And you can actually get them for less than $4. $4 less than $4. On Amazon, the shipping by itself is $4. Because I buy third party and I don't buy new. I like the physical copy. I like it sitting there. Um, and in the Quotable Quotes book, there is a uh, memorable line from one William McAdoo. Because I was looking for something in general, really. Earlier in the day, I had coincidentally, I had ironically used the line from Mark Twain that uh, you don't argue with an idiot because they'll drag you down to their level and beat you with experience. The quote from William McAdoo is, It is impossible to defeat an ignorant man in an argument. I like that a lot. It is impossible to defeat an ignorant man in an argument. Right? Because he's never going to understand what you're saying. Uh, Let me read my notes here. God is the ideal self becoming God-like. Yeah. Morals are man's societal compromise, the Ten Commandments, etc. So, yeah, that's, I mean, that's what your laws are based off of. A lot of people think religion and laws uh, overlap. They don't want the laws to, to mirror religion, but uh, it's only the things that make sense, like not killing and respecting private property and so forth and so on. Uh, making the image of God, seeing your perfect self, God for God is the God version of you. Yeah, I mean, that's. But that's the thing. You're not supposed to have any uh, idols before God, etc. But think about that from the other logical alternative. No gods before. If if you're supposed to be the God, then no, you wouldn't put anybody else in front of you. You're always trying to be yourself. Duh. It makes so much more sense that way. This whole religious thing where everybody's supposed to be like Jesus or Jehovah doesn't make any sense to me. Your perfect self is the best version of you. You as a God. As your own God. What else is on my list of topics here today? We're 36 minutes in before we we start sharing all the good stuff we've stockpiled here. Re-leather. I think I've talked about this many times, but... um, I quite enjoy doing different projects, and, and one of the local businesses that I use, because I'm a, I have a silly collection of wrestling belts, um, is a sign and leather shop, and and he does, he does phenomenal work. But I got to tell you that like the little things in my life that represent that same upgrade uh, have done. so much to make my quality of life better. Yeah, the the leather on the belts wears out. He, you know, I I go pay some higher than normal uh for, you know, I could I could buy another polyurethane or another rubber strap to go on the belts so that that comes with it. But I go to get them re-leathered because it'll last forever and the quality is better. It's one of those things where you you make the sacrifice, you pay a little more to to make it go farther. Um it's more durable. It's uh giving back to my community. Uh, and it's it's quite interesting to see uh, the old uh, craft of, of leathering uh, right in front of me. Uh, it's very much what you want to have done. You restore something or improve something uh, to a level that it's 
of the highest quality. And sure, you could keep replacing stuff at the dollar store all the time, and then the landfill would just be full. You can argue about leather, but, I mean, if it lasts me for 25 or 30 years, I'm not putting anything in the landfill for 30 years. So um, the argument is done. Tell some eBay stories. You know, that was this time of year, this Field of Dreams story. I, I may or may not have told this before. Um, I, I've spent a lot of time on eBay in the last couple of weeks. I've You out there, I've already, I've already done what I need to do, so you can't beat me now. But I was uh, grabbing up some dry fit, um, like full zip jackets, uh, D-R-I-F-I-T. Uh, Nike and, and some of these other places use this dry fit technology. It's a newer thing. Uh, you can get a jacket for 15 20 bucks. Um, I just grabbed a couple because it's wintertime. And I used my my old ways. And I spoke, about, I spoke about this on an episode, I'm very sure, about point zero jackets. I went and bought a couple. And I didn't spend like $22 a jacket. Because there's people on eBay who've got them and they won't get rid of them. And, woo, this is nice. Uh, they're warm. And they're multi-layer. They're made for ski. They're made for extreme temperatures. I highly recommend. And Point Zero is a prominent brand. There's enough of them out there that people are just selling them for cheaper. Uh, but the Field of Dreams story is um, somebody had a jacket listed from the production crew that made the movie on eBay. I think they wanted $400 for this jacket. Um, I sent them an offer of uh, like $150, and they turned it down and said, you know, they'd have to have $200. And I replied back and declined their offer and said, uh, I, I offered, then they counteroffered. And I wrote them a message back and said, look, me and my brother are putting together, you know, some dollars, and we're trying to do something nice. My dad's birthday is four days before Christmas, and so it's kind of a gift for Christmas and birthdays. And I appreciate you trying to work with me and cut the price in half from 400 to 200 but... You know, it, it's not where we are. And the lady sent me a message back and said, I love dad gifts. Buy it for $100. And she invoiced me for $100. And I paid her 100 and she shipped it to me. And it's, it's a nice fucking jacket. And I'm very proud of it for a lot of different reasons. One of them is that story. And two of them, uh, the second one, uh, two of them, the second one is my dad uh, tried to he tried to go Google the jacket because he'll do that when he gets a gift sometimes and he couldn't find another one and I said ha ha um, because it's a very unique jacket I, I've I've never seen another one I don't think uh, I don't go looking but I never saw another one anytime I've looked um, the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> why was I going to talk about this maybe I've already talked about this. Anyway, the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a pretty cool fucking movie. It picks up, I think, where the second one left off in maybe 74, 77. Uh, and uh, there's a scene where everybody is on this tour bus with only one way out. And Leatherface uh, takes his chainsaw in the front door. And God damn. Um Reverse mask. Yes, if you're still wearing a mask, uh, a lot of people think that you're uh, you got something wrong with you. And then in a lot of cases, I've asked people who are wearing a mask, like you're feeling some symptoms, some kind of way. No, no. Well, why are you wearing the mask? The mask is to protect us from you, not you from us, dummy. 
Um, I've been saying dummy a lot lately. But I like it because it's a Red Fox uh, kind of thing, you know? Um... <laughs> I, I think I've already spoken about these. <laughs> I think this is from an old podcast. Edward the Great. This is I said, this is a quote from Edward the Great. Hey, pal, fuck you. <laughs> That's not a quote from Edward the Great. But it sounds great. I was going to come up with these historical quotes and just interject them into uh, into, into podcasts. Um, the gun situation. Yeah, my dad was talking about how some of the politicians were running on this platform of arming the teachers with guns. God. Yeah. I, don't, I, I feel like that's one of those, like... You can't win an argument with an idiot kind of things. Um, my management style. My management style is I show up to work. I make lists. We always have a lot of goals and a lot of things to do. I'm extremely reasonable and flexible with what order we do them in. Uh, as long as you're working consistently. And you're communicating well. Fluid. Like water. That's how, that's how I manage. Mm. Thanksgiving, the chest. I spoke about the chest. Blowing leaves. Spoke about blowing leaves. Spoke about. Oh, I did not. It says keys in your car. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, a rather embarrassing moment. This happened yesterday. Um, I went out to my car. I took a nap. I got up. Locked the door. Went back inside. I had put my keys in the passenger seat, and I don't own a modern, like, my, my, I think I have a 2007 Honda. Because I don't believe in depreciation uh, being uh, something I'm going to have happen to me uh, if I can avoid it. Plus, they're extremely reliable cars. However, if you put your keys in the passenger seat and lock all the doors, it will lock and stay that way. Uh... I got a hold of my brother because I thought he has an extra key to my house, which has an extra key to the car inside. He could not confirm or deny that, so I got a locksmith. Um, I'll even tell you how they do it. I don't, I don't think it's going to make any difference to you and YouTube this information. But basically what happened was they, they take a balloon, put it in the crevice of your door, uh, and then it's like a blood pressure cuff, and they puff it up. And it creates a gap in the door, and then they put a rod in there and open the door handle. It's pretty simple. If you're thinking about stealing cars, you're probably not listening to this podcast. Life is best when you build bridges with people, not walls. A quote by Billy Crystal about Muhammad Ali. That's pretty awesome. I watched uh, a bunch of different videos of uh, Billy Crystal either imitating or spending time with Muhammad Ali. I guess he was a super fan, but Muhammad Ali thought he was funny, and so he's, he you know, kept his company. I, I can't tell you that I'm not the same way. I love, love people who are funny, who make me laugh. They have a place in my life forever. Forever. Um, 
I think that um, I've spent a great deal of time in the last couple of weeks really figuring out where I want to go in 2023. And I'm not going to make some sad story about this, but I'm going to tell you from a, what I consider to be an honorable perspective. I took a new position uh, professionally um, for a fixed amount of money, and I've made a tremendous amount of progress in that position. And I specifically said to my boss, I said, hey, we're making a lot of progress. And da, 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 da. and he said to me that, you know, they were considering, I'm having some cruise on pineapple rum in the background here. Um, he said, well, they're, you know, they were talking about maybe doing, you know, a pay adjustment for me since I was making so much progress so fast. These were his words, not mine. I was kind of just saying something silly, as I do sometimes. Sometimes I bring up a situation that doesn't really have any value to me. I'm just making an observation, and other folks will really, really take it and start to go with it. So he says to me that they're you know considering this adjustment to my pay and so forth. And uh, I said, all right, well, whatever. But I also said this. I said, I agreed to this position at the amount of money that I'm making. That's the beginning and the end of it, as far as I'm concerned. I've already agreed to do this job for this amount of money. I have to do it um, up to standards or they'll let you go. But if I do excessively well, it does not mean that they'll give me more money. I've already agreed to a specific rate. So I, uh, I've had a lot of internal conflict as to how to feel about the situation. I've said what I consider to be the proper thing to say, which is I agree to this amount of money, so that's the end of the discussion. However, because somebody else has changed the conversation and said, no, no, what about this? Or we're talking about this. Do you hold them accountable for those things? And I don't mean they have to produce results, but if they're saying to you, hey, you know, we're, we're talking about this or we're going to run this experiment or, you know, maybe we're going to consider this. I really think that if you open the door, you need to at least continue and find some destination for that conversation. You don't just leave that kind of thing out there because it represents a lot of things. I have a team that works underneath of me, and I think that's poor role modeling. I would not want to open that conversation to my team and leave them wondering or or have anything else going on that doesn't need to be burning up any of their mental headspace it it just it screams to me of this very odd kind of lapse in judgment and when i say lapse of judgment i mean that could be happening from several different angles there is the perspective that a conversation was started and was finished. There's a sort of different 
why did you ever start the conversation to begin with sort of aspect? You know, hey, we never should have started this. Another dimension is where are we going with this? And uh, sort of a third direction is if you just continue to leave it out there, even though it's not finished and it did get started, I consider that to be a third kind of obscure uh, dwelling that people do where they're like, you know, hey, what about this? I'm trying to make future decisions or I'm trying to make progress or is what I'm doing getting noticed anymore because they they said this and then we're doing that and well they're impressed but in the meantime do we keep doing impressive things because they're not really getting back to us it's this um I don't know if dangling carrot is the right way of saying it, but I do think that there's this very odd kind of purgatory that you go into where I give someone what I would consider to be uh, a misrepresentation of hope. I don't false hope is a it might be too negative of a term, but it is this kind of, hey, maybe, what if, sort of, kind of, woulda, shoulda, no. I don't think you should begin that conversation if you don't already have something working. I don't know that you should begin that conversation at all if you don't have a final answer or if you don't have positive things to bring to the table. I wouldn't want to go to my friend Johnny and say, hey, Johnny, <laughs> you know, we were talking about doing something about your pay. Oh, you are? What's going to happen? Nothing. <laughs> you don't want to do that to somebody. That's fucked up. You shouldn't bring it to them unless you got good news. Because anything else is just disappointment. Oh, you considered it. Hey, what happened? I never heard the... I, I don't know. We just abandoned the project, son. Well, ain't that fucked up. Because that's like building a bridge to nowhere. That's like telling people that you got a budget to build a bridge. And still not going anywhere. But if you don't finish the bridge, it still goes nowhere. If you haven't connected the two points, you don't have a destination. You don't have some kind of a... Progress to pass on to the people. I don't think you should even open the dialogue. And if someone brings it to you, you shouldn't start the dialogue. You should shut that shit down. And I'm not trying to say any of this in a way that's anything but productive to anybody who might be in a relationship or anything else. You're thinking about making a few steps towards wanting to get married, wanting to have children, whatever, whatever. I dated a young lady for a, an extended period of time who would continually come back and say, well, I'm not getting any younger, and we should have children, and all very respectable ideas. If you're taking care of yourself, I have a simple, very simple rule when it comes to economics. It's how simpler could it be? Spend less 
than you make. That's it. If you make $10, don't spend $10. Spend less. That way there'll always be something there. And by something, I could be the bare minimum, but there'll be something there. If you spend what you make, you're broke. And if you spend more than you make, you're definitely fucked. Stop doing it. Most people make a budget, and then they start to adjust their month based on the budget that they've made up front. Now, this young lady was extremely different because she would look at it and go, oh, man, things are going to come up throughout the month. I'm going to have to work and make more money. Wait, what? Why didn't everybody think of this? We can just make more money some way? Woohoo! No, it's very hard to make more money. It's much easier to start cutting things and thinning out the budget. That's why when people have a budget meeting, they don't sit around and go, you know what? We're going to need more money. Woohoo! No, they have to come in under budget or on budget, be able to get their projects completed. And whatever can't be completed gets scrapped. They're not doing it this year. Having an influx of cash is quite frankly the least probable of future circumstances. Sure, plenty of things grow. A lot of people have jobs that are cash heavy. Maybe you're in the service industry or you get commission or something like that. But God, I cannot imagine trying to take that to a banker a loan officer or anybody else and going, hey, let me tell you what I do. And I swear to God this is something that was said to me in a conversation. Person does not do a budget. They just spend whatever they feel they need to and hope that it turns out the way it's supposed to. They just go with their gut. I have a loan for my home. I paid for my car and cash and so forth, but I cannot fucking imagine going to a loan officer and and they say, you know, we need all this meticulous, all this very, very, very detailed information before we'll even think about processing your loan application. And just saying to them, you know what? That's all right. You don't need all these bank statements. You don't need all these tax forms. You don't need anything. I'm good for the home loan. I can be trusted. My gut tells me so. Like that's just one of those things where they just there's not even a laughter for it. It's just like, ooh, oh, that's tragic. Because that's a plane that just stalled out at 30,000 feet, and it's going to crash and burn. Are there people who have made the best of some very wild circumstances? Yes. But I can tell you the person in question was not some business connoisseur. It was, you know... I don't know. It's... I just, I don't like when people are not accountable. I don't, 
feel comfortable about around people who don't know their limitations. It just those kind of things just drive me crazy. I want for people to be able to succeed. Make no mistake about it. I'd love for everybody to have some comfortable mindset and place to lay their head, all of that. However, it's extremely hard for me to look around and accept this these is very unstable ways of making decisions. I mean, it's just, it's unhealthy. Oh, yep, that's right. I just eat a lot of Cheetos and hopefully I get my steps in. What the fuck? No. And I'm not, I am not a guy that you should take t- dietary advice from. I am surrounded by barefoot, uh, I just finished a bottle of Barefoot Mango Moscato. There's some Cruzon Pineapple Rum and some uh, of the Rocks Blanco Terramana Tequila and some Black Velvet Toasted Caramel Whiskey on my desk. The only liquid in my... No, that's not true. There's water in my refrigerator, but then there's Dr. Pepper. Like 10 two-liter bottles in my refrigerator. Along with a beef uh, Boston butt, I think that I... Yeah, I guess I cooked that in the oven today. And there's probably some, um, is that uh, kielbasa and some bacon. I mean, there's a lot of pork products and some meat, some Dr. Pepper. There's some more liquor in my refrigerator. Mm. Bacardi, the, the blue that's zombie, and I think the... Mm. The orange might be hurricane or tropical or something like that. But Bacardi makes these pre-made cocktail mixes, and I have a blue one and an orange one in the fridge. And probably some version of um, Jose something uh, mango margarita mixes in there. I don't believe in a lot of condiments or other nonsense. Sure, I could be eating vegetables and healthy things, and I will have fresh stuff out of the garden when the summer comes. But I also work a job where I walk 10 to 15 miles a day and lift a lot of weight. And, you know, my shoulder's pretty torn up, and my left knee is giving me a lot of trouble because of it. However, I feel extremely peaceful. You hear that? That's quiet. I'm having a scar. I have a shot glass with some pineapple rum in front of me, some Dr. Pepper in a mug, and then I had the bottle uh, that I drank the bottom of. There might have been, you know, five ounces of that Barefoot Moscato. And I'm also drinking, uh, I'm sorry, besides drinking, besides drinking, I'm having a uh, good times uh, sweet cigarillo. Um, not the prop to the, you know, who's just going to do that? Not Weight Watchers, not Jenny Craig, 
Nobody at Planet Fitness is going to sit you down and go, you know what? You need to be on the Michael Craver diet. You just need to drink a hell of a lot of caffeine and Dr. Pepper. Eat a lot of meat. And when you're thirsty, and this is exactly what I do all day long, I drink nothing. I own three different kinds. Polar Ice, Winter Fresh, and is it Spearmint? But it's the green one. Uh, Extra Gum. I bought three different packages. I think I paid seven fifty to get ten packs of, or a case of that extra gum off of Amazon, and um, I had an Oreo. Uh, I, somebody gave me one, or I bought it last year. Oreo sells a ten every winter where you can get twelve uh, fudge covered Oreos uh, and then white fudge covered Oreos. I ate all of those and left the ten empty. That tin is now full of three cases or three large boxes of extra gum. And I carry a pack in my pocket everywhere that I go. So when I don't have water, like when I'm working, I literally work 8 to 14 hours. And if I get thirsty, I pull a piece of gum out. I put it in and I chew it and now my mouth is salivating and it's moist. It's not the same as drinking a bottle of water. But when I chew that... I don't have to go to the bathroom, which means more time that I can work. And I know if you're out there right now, you're thinking, this motherfucker is crazy. You're right. I might be breaking rule number three and being a motherfucker by doing that. But I make a hell of a lot of progress. Now, I wash a lot of clothes in the course of a week because I get all kinds of stuff all over me. But uh, I feel good. Makes you feel pretty manly to do that kind of stuff, or at least whatever the ideal, you know, that traditional, you're sore and dirty and you got rugged smells about you and things of that nature. Yeah, I feel like a man. Like Anthony does. He's at dinner, he's doing construction and ripping apart stuff and has these really wild skills of a tradesman. However... Most people don't operate that way. They look up things that are on TikTok and Etsy and Instagram and this and that and the other, and they go, oh, man, I want to do some of that. I need to own one of those. I never thought of making a sign out of a fucking pallet before. That's not what a pallet's for. You don't draw an American flag on a pallet. You lay it down, you stack a bunch of shit on it, and then you ship it around and move it with a forklift. That's what a pallet is. I'm making furniture out of tires. What the fuck? I guess if they're bald tires you didn't want to burn, you could do that. But quite literally, that's not what a pallet is. It's like saying I'm going to make candle holders out of shoes. That's right. I pour the soles full of wax. Insides of them. That's right. Burns for about 15 hours. That's a Reebok. Like, what the fuck? The mouth-watering Big Mac with a savory filio fish and a tasty McChicken. My goodness, that looks good. Oh, oh, you're making a McDonald's menu hat. Yes, a land, air, and sea. Oh, it's going to tip over. No, it's good. It's good. Very stable. Order the land, air, and sea by name, build it by hand, and hack the McDonald's menu. I'm surprised at how attracted I am to it. That's the thing, though. It's kind of like being uh, one of those trans people. It's repurposing everything. 
I've always said that if you're trans, you don't accept people because it begins with you and you don't even accept yourself as you were born. Kind of hard to argue with any of that stuff. I'm a fundamental guy. I get it down to the most simple foundation. And then you got to be able to build off of there. You got to be able to go at it from standing right there in the dirt. All this inflated bunch of horse shit about rights and this and that and surgeries and hormone blockers and all that crazy shit. Look. Those are very complicated situations you would never get into if people accepted who they were in the beginning. It's kind of like abortion. You don't have to have a decision about abortion if you're making informed decisions about how you're fucking people. Don't get into low probability situations. That's an old, I believe, Sherlock Holmes quote where he says, if you eliminate the impossible, whatever's left, the improbable must be the solution. Uh, You know, the less likely things, even though they're not impossible. Well, you know, that's very much what it comes down to with abortion or trying to repurpose your body or whatever. I never understand this stuff. That's right, I'm going to buy a Honda and turn it into a Ford. What? That's right, I did it with my dog. He's now a sheep. Like, what the fuck? Like, that's not the way the world works. That's not how biology works. Just because you don't like the way your chin looks and you can mutilate it doesn't make it a good fucking idea. I don't even understand how a lot of these positions are... Freedom is an interesting thing. You got free will, you got elective surgery. You can do some wild shit. That's just how it is. That's right, I'm going to put screws in my fucking head. Oh, going to tattoo my eyeballs. <laughs> Check it out. Everybody knows that saying, don't they? Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Life was a lot simpler. When everybody treated each other as community, as neighbors. This idea that people run around and start talking about inclusion and everything else. You don't even include yourself. You're trying to change who you are. I don't get it, man. Like, I'm not a soccer player, so I'm not running around with a soccer jacket on. But a lot of people do that, right? Because I'm a big fan of Manchester United. Oh, do you live in Manchester? Pay the taxes? That's your local team? No. Well, why the fuck are you cheering for them? You running around wearing Los Angeles t-shirts while you live in Kansas City, Missouri? Like, I don't understand that. I don't get it. I don't even know what you're like. I'm a creative guy. I'm full of shit a lot of the time. It's what makes humor work. It's plausibility. You say something that is like, oh, that's not real. Oh, God, thank God. That's what funny is all about. Thank God that's not true. And yet, here we are in this world 
where people are like, uh-uh, fuck you, I'm gonna make it true. So nothing's funny anymore. Lost our sense of humor. Everybody takes everything too seriously. He's trying to make all these wild, wild and unreasonable choices with laws, behaviors, biology. It's just... People who, who could not... And I, this may be true for someone, but statistically, or from what I've observed, this is not a problem in like the auto mechanic industry or a lot of other skilled craftsmen, you know, tradesmen kinds of positions. When people have gone to third world countries and things of this nature, they don't have the same dilemmas going on. Why? Because it's only possible when you start living in this fucking fantasy world that we've run into where there's too many choices and too much money. It's just... It's a real obscure... Um, pursuit of vanity. It's a way to try to normalize things that you would not accept or things that you found to be outrageous. And then it becomes someone's claim to fame. I was this, now I'm that. Check it out. I was an addict and now I'm normal. Oh, okay. It's a radical transition. I came from rags, went to riches. I came from female, went to male. That's all it is. It's a way to tell a story. It's Cinderella come to life. We're scrubbing the floors, now it's the bell of the ball. It's not okay to just scrub floors and Live a humble lifestyle. Gotta be, gotta be vanity. <laughs> Fuck, it sucks. It does. I had written up a bunch of different notes when it came to trans and, and things or transitions that we were going through. You could fight. Well, there's no fighting about science or whatever. I mean, if you have to reverse engineer things, then they're not what they seem and then you what kind of acceptance is that if you're a person who has um, changed at what point are people not allowed to refer to your past Perhaps you have bankruptcy. Perhaps you have a criminal history. Perhaps you were on the run because you served in the SS Guard and were a participant in Nazi Germany. But you've changed now. Well, that's a war crime, so... But you can't let it go? You can't let it... I mean, that was fucking 80 years ago. You can't let it go? 
No, we have to punish them for who they really are. Oh. But if you refer to someone who's born as a man and now tries to identify as a woman, you're wrong. Because that person wants to be identified as who they are now. Well, that old Nazi doesn't want to be identified as one of Hitler's youth anymore. What makes me unable to call someone who 20 years ago was something different? I'm unable to do it. But how come you can call old uh, Gestapo Jeff over there whatever you want? And that was 80 years ago. That was four times as long. Well, uh, there's no excuse. It's like being an addict. People say if you're an addict, you're always an addict. Okay. I'll always be my father's son. Really? No matter who adopts me? Yeah, that'll still be your biological father. Wait, Wait a minute. You know. If you're an amputee and then you get a prosthetic leg, are you still an amputee? Yeah. Are you still disabled? Well, you, uh, uh, it it depends. Uh, does it? You're still an amputee. It's really strange that um, people can sort of... It's property. It's all it is. I can terminate my own pregnancy, but you can't terminate my pregnancy. I can say whatever I want to call myself, but you can't say what to call me. Well, that's still free speech. You can call me whatever you want. It's just, it's a very, very strange kind of uh, identity theft. That's right, I identify as a U.S. citizen. But you're not. You don't have the proper... What's that? I identify as a citizen. But you don't have a green card, citizenship, naturalization, nothing. That's all right. I identify as a U.S. citizen. Like, what the fuck? Can't do that. I identify as 48 years old. But uh, you're not 48, though. You weren't born 48 years ago. That doesn't matter. I identify as it. Ha <laughs> ha! Gotcha! I identify as not speeding officer. Take that, you motherfucking pig. Like, <laughs> I just, it's the most absurd logic. You can't call me a thief. I don't identify as someone who steals stuff. Then what's that in your pocket? I don't know. That's who I was a few minutes ago. Now I'm different. I'm vandal fluid. Or what is it? Is gender fluid? Isn't that where you can change? Criminal fluid? I can change from a criminal to not being a criminal? Change my status. Just like that. I just I don't go along with a lot of things, folks. It's it's very um, it's very simple to me. And yeah, there's a lot of things you can do. Like I can take a tomato and I can turn it into paste and I can turn it into marinara and I can turn it into pizza sauce and whatever. But it's still a tomato. And 
this obscure idea that you can sell me uh, the Impossible Burger and there's no meat. And I go, well, that's all right. I identify it as meat. It's not meat. There are fundamental things that go along with any recipe, any biological or scientific equation, any mathematical equation. And I appreciate anybody who's uh, creative or full of shit or anything else because I am. But if you're going to do something really wild that's not plausible, be ready to lose the argument. And, and that's the thing that they've always told everybody, right? If, if you can't do the crime, don't. If you can't do the time, I'm sorry, too much mango wine. If you can't do the time, don't do the crime. Okay. Seems simple. If you're going to propose something that is radical, be prepared to have radical conversations. And a lot of people are not going to accept your explanations. You may, in fact, be wrong. It happens a lot. That's what scientists are most known for is being wrong. The ones who are right have their names on things. And, you know. But more than anything in this world, we try. And more than anything, we fail. There's more trials than anything. More failures than successes. We've done a lot of things that gotten it wrong. We had to change later. And figure out we were fucking up. Oh, we thought it was just fine to dump all that lead in the river. <laughs> hey, wait, what? It's toxic to our community. Yeah, there's a lot of things we do and we accept as normal behaviors. They become accepted. Acceptance. Inclusion. We find out later that they were extremely toxic to our community and we cannot reverse the effects of them. I'm not talking about astrological signs here. I'm not talking about medical things. But if I use the word cancer, it is a metaphor in a lot of different ways. You don't want to do things that are cancerous. That cause uh, anything to become a behavioral, a psychological type of uh, cancer. Now you're not going to see that diagnosed, right? You've got behavioral cancer. Like, no. But if people tell you that you're acting like a cancer, you understand that you need to cut out part of your behavior. You need some radical rehabilitation. They may even uh, tell you that you need some therapy. I just, I have a hard time, um, especially as a father or someone who is, oh, I, I can't turn it off, man, extremely analytical. And so, it's one of the reasons that I'm single. You know, I, I see people who are, they overspend their budget. They make these extremely reckless, improbable, high-risk decisions. And, and I'm not, that's not for me. It's risking too much. Uh, and I... A lot of it has nothing but, but bad consequences. Halloween's okay one day a year, not 365.
I, just, I have a lot of admiration for people who try to do things and, and be pioneers. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here recording this, not knowing what the reaction will be or anything else. However, it's... It's a different kind of conversation that we have in the world nowadays. You're expected to be able to get along and accept people who are, by every scholastic measure, intellectually inferior. They don't score as well on the test. They wouldn't do as well in school. They are very underwhelming when it comes to presenting their argument. And yet, you're supposed to take them seriously. I don't see how. They don't have anything to be taken seriously. They're going to that loan officer with these crazy ideas of math based on emotions. Science based on emotions. Nope, doesn't work that way. What part did emotions play in your calculations, Mr. Einstein? Oh, he was uh, nothing. Right. He didn't feel it was the right answer. He went through the order of operations and found, investigated, confirmed the right answer. You know, what a fun thing it is to make TV shows and, and be... Um, watching uh, in an entertainment sort of venue what 12 people might or might not do on a jury. The theater of how they feel about the case. That sounds like a hell of a fucking gamble to me. Who can make them feel a certain way? <laughs> it's supposed to be mathematical. Did the person meet the criteria of the crime? Yes. Punish them. That's not the way it works. <laughs> and that's why people watch those TV shows. Because it's a really jacked up way of doing things. And yet, for some reason, we continue it and we dramatize it. We champion it. <sighs> the real housewives of, fuck you, that's what the real house, no, ain't no way. I would never watch one minute of one second of any of any of that crap. You can learn so much more from, in reverse from just watching something like Beavis and Butthead. I cannot imagine the level of bullshit that happens on these other platforms. I I'm not a member of don't have a social you know TikTok whatever the fuck. Because of stuff like that. Coke with coffee. We blended Coke with rich coffee for one very good reason. Your afternoon pick-me-up routine needed it. Simple as that. Coke with coffee. Having access to a megaphone does not mean it amplifies logic. Having followers and distribution and so forth, even though this is on this show is on every platform, it doesn't make it more reasonable. The amount of people who are 
going to church does not legitimize anything about religion. In a democratic society, you have to wonder how to appeal to that number of people that are associated with this thing. It is a demographic. That's all it is. It doesn't lend some sort of credibility to it just because more people than not fall into some favor with it. There's a shitload of people who are Dallas Cowboys fans. That didn't make the team better. I just... I'm... A person who has reached this sort of interesting crossroads with everything because I'm at a place where it's almost like I'm rapidly making a lot of progress and more people than ever have taken me seriously, et cetera, et cetera. Yet I find it extremely hard to partner up or mate or date or... Try to um, form chemistry with somebody because this lack of accountability uh, that I speak about in great detail is so um, widespread in our world today. And I just like I don't like I I you can try to start having a conversation with someone and I say things that branch off in several different directions. Obviously, a lot of times they take those things and they just tangle them up. They may or may not comprehend any of them or all of them individually, but certainly when they start trying to put them back together, it's like. They've blindly tried to rewire an electrical box. I mean, it just it doesn't go together, and it doesn't create circuits. It doesn't spark anything. It just destroys any ambition I had to continue talking to somebody. Here, let me make a reply to you. Okay. Here's these things. And someone who has all of those words in a message or on a page or otherwise... Um, then takes and tries to put together, you know, out of five things, they try to tie one and five together and maybe put in a little bit of two. And they think, well, there's enough information there. I can pick from what I want and make this kind of makeshift compost heap of a reply. And that's not what happens. When you're talking to somebody like me, I articulated individual things that need to be individually addressed. You can't just, you know, you break a light bulb and then glue it back together and hand it to me. I'm going to see the flaws and the cracks in what you're saying. I designed it. You're replying to my words. I know what the fuck is there. I know whether or not you paid attention to what was said. And I wonder if I'm just speaking a, a different language. I came from a different time. I hold these uncommon values of what a conversation could be, should be, because 
my life is far more difficult um, nowadays, even though I'm having more success and I've got more peace and, and so forth. I feel like my overall life is more difficult because I hold myself to this different kind of standard and I'm, you know, I'm regularly uh, looked at as a person who produces results. So you got to keep doing that. But uh, it's extremely hard to form these interpersonal bonds or, you know, get a spark with somebody. Uh, I don't find people attractive who I don't respect their worldview. And so as good as somebody might look or whatever they might do to throw themselves at me or otherwise, I just kind of sit back and go, damn, damn, you know, I can't have a long car ride with this guy, with this girl, because, you know, they threw logic out the window a long time ago. And I think that there's a lot of people who would relate, if I put a different flavor to it, um, sort of the level of... I don't know if incompatibility, probably that. There's probably a dash of loneliness in that recipe where I just I look at it and I say, I, I don't know if require, you know, maybe you know, certain things. And one of those is I got to be able to like believe you, take you seriously, find consistency and a lot of truth in what you're saying. And we've been over this time and time again on this podcast that I consider truth to be this very uh, straightforward, you believe you know what the evidence shows, uh, and especially if you have evidence that is in conflict with what you consider to be the truth. It's not the truth anymore. You're being dishonest. But the truth is what you believe up until the point that you have evidence that is conflicting with what you believe. It's difficult for me to find anyone attractive or otherwise who is less than truthful. They're not straightforward. They don't own mistakes. They live in this world where there's no accountability. And I'm sure that, you know, the trope or stereotype or the traditional, you know, more than not, is that it's a woman's point of view going, oh, you can't trust a man. And, you know, a lot of guys say you can't trust women. Think about it from that perspective. I can't count on you. I can't count on how you make decisions. I can't count on the fact that you just go with whatever feelings you have at any given moment. You're not math and science oriented. You're not accountable. You're untruthful. Everything that is in question, is up for debate. To a great extent, too, right? Like, if you feel like arguing about something, it makes it worth arguing about. We're not going on merits. We're not going on points. We're not going on logic. It's just you don't feel good about your world right now, so you're going to be a motherfucker. No, you're breaking one of my three rules. It's rule number three. You you just don't have time to go around in circles with those folks. And some of the most aesthetically or, you know, good-looking, photogenic, attractive people are people who are 
of poor mind, body, and spirit. They're unhealthy when it comes to communication, spending, consistency. To call what they're doing cancerous is not outrageous. And it's left me with a great deal of sort of I guess sadness is not a bad way of describing it. Don't get me wrong, I love my hockey subscription, and I've got a lot of things that I want to do episodes about. I've got a lot of writing, a lot of household projects, helping family. There's always something to do when it comes to work. My life is very um, packed from start to finish. I'm not lacking attention, but I am lacking uh, intriguing compatibility. There's people who are compatible with me. I'm not intrigued by them. There's a lot of people who are extremely truthful. But they're as truthful and as far in life as they're going to go, which means they have great moral standards and they're not willing to compromise and be dishonest, et cetera, et cetera. But they don't... There's another factor about where are you today and where are you going to be that I look at. And it's very hard to look at somebody and go, wow, they've gone as far as they're going to go. Or You talk about how difficult it will be for them to really accomplish a next or any other further steps. There's a lot of people who are in difficult situations. They don't have good resources or they're not equipped and they're they're not really people who feel like they need to ever change or uh, push forward. I feel differently. I like to be challenged all the time. It's it fucking sucks not sleeping very much, which I haven't done and, and being sore and, being 40, but um, I bring as much to the table as I ever have, probably far more than ever, and um, I'm extremely humble about, you know, the people around me and work and just being a, a person who can fade into the background, who values the input of others. i Drew a tremendous amount of recognition. And I'm describing myself because it's my podcast. So if you think I'm not humble, then you know, you figure that logic out for yourself. But it's about me. So I'm giving all of my details. And I'm sitting here saying it is. And it is. It's improbable that um, I will see lightning again. And I'm okay with that because I'm a math and science guy. I just, I know what the, (laughs) as the, uh, I always like the Guns N' Roses version of the song, Down on the Farm. She knows what the score is. Down here on the farm, can't fall in love with a wheat field, can't fall in love with a barn. Everything smells like horse shit down here on the farm. I come 
I love the farm. I love blowing leaves and cutting wood and doing all those things. It doesn't necessarily bother me. The thing that bothers me about the situation is I would be the ideal or best or otherwise partner to really see somebody be happy and be elevated and give the deep tissue massages and you know all of the thoughtful gifts and crazy notes that I write and all this fucking archive of information I keep in my head where I know what to say to make you happy and make you smile and tickle you and dance with you in all the wrong times. But I'm not intrigued by anybody to use all those tools. And it's this the ultimate irony where, you know, as good as I'm going to get, I just cannot find the motivation To put all those tools to work, I can't find a good partner to uh, put all those things in action. And it's um, <laughs> it's just interesting to me. I'm not I'm not actually sad or depressed or whatever about it. I just find it to be this extremely strange kind of um, is fable the right word? It's not a good um, it is a story but it's more one with this moral levity to it that you get so far in life, you make so many changes, you make all of these improvements. It's like the old people who remodel their kitchen right before they die. Got it all figured out. Just in time to not use it. Maybe that's why I talk about these things on this show. So somebody else will wake the fuck up and do the right thing. Before it's too late. I will catch you next time on another episode of Michael L. Craver Presents. Thank you for listening to another episode of Michael L. Craver Presents and exercising the first step in any process. Feel free to like, Share it with someone. It's on every streaming platform from Stitcher to iTunes, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Amazon Music. Or ask Alexa. Play Michael L. Craver Presents. Enjoy your day.